beautiful and and uh, we have much pleasure, happiness. But that also changes. And so it's uh, it's the the reflection on change of the conditioned realm is is to to really make this uh, to get to know this so thoroughly that. You, you, then you can reflect, you can begin to see your own emotional habits and, and ideals of, of what you want, what you like, don't like, and what you think should or shouldn't be. This, uh, this life, this, this realm is mysterious the human existence. To me it seems like great mystery. Because from the perspective of here and now, from this from this uh, physical body and this conscious moment, uh, you know, I can't figure out what the point of it is. You know, what happens? Uh, what, what, how did it all come about? What was the original cause? What's the purpose? Um, and then, uh, you know, one can come up with various ideas on this subject. But the important uh, re- realization of this kind of questioning is the, the recognition of not knowing and of mystery. That, uh, that, that mystery is something you don't know. It leaves the the thinking mind in a, in, a, in, a, in a it stops the thinking mind because the more you try to think about it, you go around in circles trying to figure out the original cause or what the purpose of our lives are. We can make uh, up versions of uh, you know kind of interesting or inspiring purposes. We can think our our life has no purpose, and that we can. We can, our life has absolutely no purpose. Cosmic joke. Cosmic accident. Well, we can think that we're here to learn, to, to, to love, to develop, and that, that is, that inspires the mind. That, that's an inspiring way. But, but also recognize that if we don't really know, we can, we can, uh, you know, w- uh, recognize that, that not knowing is like this. Now this is an important realization to, to know not knowing. Because the, this, uh, Buddha mind is, is this direct, it's a direct recognition of, of what we can actually know in the present moment. So knowing that you don't know is, is, uh, is, a, is, a, is knowing. Uh, when, when the Buddha in the, in the scriptures was asked about what happens to the Ditakada after death, and well, he, he just keeps silent. The Buddha's silences. And, and so that they the uh, sages all thought, well, he doesn't. He couldn't really be a Buddha because he doesn't. He can't answer the questions. He just goes into a dumb silence. Or maybe the silence is the answer. Isn't it? That's another. Maybe the answer is more direct than if the Buddha speculated and gave some inspiring uh, theory or or viewpoint. In this, uh, using the, this intuitive awareness, then is uh, this is the important message of, of the Buddha. This is what his essential teaching is all about: is this awakened state of being. And it's something that you can trust to, to trust it because it. 
And uh, when you think about it, you don't. You think, you think, uh, you, your mind is conditioned to to think in, in probably very complex ways, and and, uh, and then you you end up with with not being sure and doubting. So this is where sundown or faith is necessary in any religious path, uh, because uh, of not knowing in the way that we want to know out of the, the personality view or the, the conditioning of the mind that, that's conditioned out of ignorance. No, we want to know, maybe we want to know all kinds of things, like the Luciferian desire to know everything that God knows or to be better than God is a, is a you know, is a, is also one of our problems of wanting to know everything about everything. Have all the answers, have everything figured out. But then the Buddha said his teaching was a handful of leaves. It isn't very much in terms of quantity. But all that you need to know is in this handful of leaves. And rather than counting all the leaves in the forest, just the, the amount of leaves you have in, in one hand is enough to understand leaves. The, the five khandhas, the body, the uh, feelings, uh, the perceptions, uh, the emotions, consciousness itself is, you know, we have that right now in the present. It's all here. It's not something that uh, that you have to go somewhere else to, to, to find. It's here and now. So you reflect on this, just the experience of consciousness, of feeling, of thinking, of of emotional habits, of physical, of the physical experience, of having a physical body that's, that's uh, present here and now. So in order to, to, uh, to recognize that, to, to learn from it, then it's, it's not a matter of analyzing it, comparing it to ideals, ideal bodies, ideal emotions, ideal, uh, perceptions and so forth, but the way it is, in, in whatever state, quality, condition it happens to be, whether healthy, sick, strong, weak, uh, whether you're feeling inspired or depressed or whatever, so the, the, the reflective mind just acknowledges that it's like this. Sounds simple enough, but it takes great determination to keep this going. <laughs> There's so many, the thinking mind does easily take over our consciousness. It's like living in a community, isn't it? We tend to think about each other too much and about the future, about the about practice, about Buddhism, about your own abilities uh, or lack of them, or somebody else. So we 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 we're so used to that, so so used to thinking about ourselves and the world that we live in. That's what we're often are most comfortable doing is thinking. I remember when, when I first had the insight into not thinking, it was a kind of powerful experience. But I couldn't stop thinking. <laughs> I was, I was an obsessed thinker. I remember going over, uh, going over to, I was in Nongkai at the time, and I, was, I went over to Vientiane in Laos and met somebody, another American, and the, Main 
on the high street in Vientiane and he said, what have you been doing? I said, I've been meditating. He said, what have you done? I said, stop thinking. <laughs> he looked really kind of totally bewildered and made a quick exit. And I thought I'd gone, gone crazy, you know. But it's not, not a matter of just stopping thinking. That's not it. But, but that was quite a powerful insight at the time because I didn't, I didn't have any other experience. My whole life was around thinking. Thinking my, about myself and about the, everything else. And so it was just the, the obsession of one thought following another because that's what the thought, thought process is, isn't it? One thought goes on to another. Like the wandering mind, and you start thinking one thought, it associates with another, and, and it goes on, and you can go on and on and on, until you go full circle, you find yourself thinking about the same thing again. And so this, this thinking is, is a great gift, actually. It's not something to despise or to feel. Uh, that, uh, you know, that you want, you don't want to think anymore. You be caught in the desire to not think. But begin to trust in, in the ability to observe thinking. How do you do that? And so I, I used to teach these, uh, these kind of the skillful means where you deliberately think. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd decide I was going to think rather than try to stop thinking. When I, when I, when I started meditating with the idea of stopping thinking, I'd always, it just was hopeless. Sit there and I'd just fight with myself all the time. And then, shut up, stop. <laughs> and, and it was like, you know, five minutes of meditation was more I could stand because it, just <laughs> and then the struggle with, with my thoughts and to, to shut them up then the more you you want to stop thinking the more you tend to think so then the then the idea of maybe deliberately thinking rather than and listening to thought then I I had this I decided I'd just listen to myself thinking, and, and to do that I'd deliberately think. So I'd take a, a thought, like, I am uh, Sumato Bhikkhu or something like that, and just deliberately think it, but at the same time I'd be attentive to the fact that, that I'm thinking, and I'd notice the, the spaces. Like when you really deliberately think, you, you, you recognize a, a gap before you think and between the words. So, and this was a skillful means to, to really consciously notice space in the mind, or non-thought. Now if I just think about thinking, then the habit is just a habit of one thought going on to the next, you never get any kind of relief. Um, between the thoughts, between the words, you're thinking. And then I used to think very slowly, I, and then this, I just note that this kind of gap, and tomato, beefy, that kind of thing. Well, that was, that was a kind of exercise I, I developed just to, so that this, this uh, affirmed, you know, the, the non-thinking, the, the, the record, conscious awareness through consciousness of non-thought is like this. Because what happens if we don't do that is we tend to, to experience life through, through thinking about it. And sometimes, you know, like a mystical experience usually is when your, 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 your thinking mind stops. 
when you're more totally present in the, in the self-consciousness, obsession with oneself is, is gone. But then, uh, how to, how to realize that state? Because oftentimes mystical experiences happen, uh, but, and quite without intention, so we, we don't know how they, we can just say it's maybe like grace or something like that. But how to, but it does give us a sense of, of that there is a, the, a reality that, that is beyond just the, the obsessions that one has through one's thoughts and emotions. And that's quite, that's quite important, I found, for me to, to, to know that, because even though I suspected, I didn't really know it. And, and uh, it seemed like the, my world at the time, you know, is, uh, before I became a monk, was very much uh, increasingly more <clears throat> kind of wearisome because I was getting bored with myself, really, really feeling depressed and bored and weary of just the way I thought about everything. Then another exercise was uh, like the uh, the koan, or or this huato in the. Chinese uh, Zen system, where you you uh, you develop the doubt, deliberately develop doubt as a as a means. Because when you when you go into doubt, and then your your thinking mind stops, nonpluses the the mind, the think the thoughts. So it's like question, who am I? And, at that moment, when you ask the question to yourself, there's a there's a gap, a doubt. Who am I? And so you, you, you now you're noting that gap, or where the, 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 the thought ceases. So that that helps to get this sense of of space or gaps in between the thoughts. Then, in uh, using the sound of silence, as you begin to to recognize the kind of background uh, sound, or is it a sound? Whatever it is, vibration. The, your mind, the thinking mind, will stop. As you just listen, you kind of sus- suspend thinking, just to listen to that ringing sound. The more and more you're, you're beginning to recognize ways of, of, of just uh, deconditioning, deprogramming, taking away the programs. Uh, it's like, like turning on the, just watching the the screen on a television set where there's just the, the lights on but there's no, no there's nothing happening and of course emotionally we, we find that boring you know, we, we we much prefer looking like an action packed uh, blockbuster where every other second there's uh, some kind of Incredible explosion of some sort, because that that kind of you know you go you keep getting stimulated, isn't it? Through like these blockbuster films, and they you're sitting in there and you're getting you're getting uh, blockbusted every every so many seconds. They they figure it out psychologically how to keep you in a state of attention by stimulating you, so having something, you know, shocking or exciting happen on the, on the screen. It's like, you yeah. <laughs> And then, 
and, and with the, you know, that, that's getting, you know, because then you, you are, you're getting kind of, uh, stimulated through, through, uh, through visual consciousness. And that keeps you absorbed into what's happening on the screen. But you say, what if the, the, the thing stops and it's just a blank screen? And then you, you're, you're, at first you're just not equipped to handle that, and you just turn off to something else, you know, kind of uh, surf, what is it, surf the television or whatever, find something else. So the, the, the mind is, if, it's, if all we ever do is use our minds to be kind of endlessly stimulate them, then we become very dependent on, on that, and on something always, you know, uh, uh, stimulating our consciousness in the present. Now, like, like in meditation, what you're doing is rather, why it is so boring at first is because you're learning to, because you're not getting stimulated from the externals. You're sitting still in, in, in a quiet place. And, uh, and so then it, and you, you, you're not getting uh, any kind of stimulation from outside. So what happens is a lot of people who begin meditation when, the, when their, their main experience of life is to be stimulated is that they fall asleep all the time. I mean, like sloth torpor is, is a big problem at first. Because uh, we're used, if we're just used to being uh, awake through stimulation. When, it, when the stimulation's not there, what happens? You just, you can't, you can't hold it. You've got nothing from inside yourself developed. So, uh, you know, I notice like people that, very active, busy people, uh, that think a lot, and, and that when they, as soon as they go into, uh, when they start meditating, they just go, they, they uh, fall asleep or they go into proper states immediately. Because they're, they're, there's nothing stimulating the mind. So uh, in, in meditation what we're doing then is we're learning to arouse the energy, bring the energy from inside rather than depending on external stimulation. I remember just consciously, you know, learning to, to bring up the energy to, to, you know, from, you know, from the lower part of the body, just to, to uh, learn to, to, to focus the mind, concentrate the mind, and to, to be patient, because it takes patience, because usually uh, you know, we, if we're used to being stimulated, for our experience of life to be stimulated, then we, we lack patience. Because we need the hit right now to, to feel alive, to be excited, to feel awake, to... So if, uh, if that's absent, then, of course, the, the mind drifts into just kind of wandering thoughts or just dullness. So in terms of developing energy, like developing the posture, learning to, to bring attention to the body itself. So like Gyanupasana Satipatthana is the first foundation of mindfulness, the body. We, we go right to the, the physical experience of a body, but not trying to stimulate it, Meant to to learn to contemplate to to reflect on just the, on an intuitive in an intuitive way about the physical experience. So, like we use the four postures as a basis: sitting, standing, walking, lying down. These are ordinary postures in which we can, you know, sitting lying down and fall asleep, if we, if we usually connect lying down with sleeping. Uh, sitting, we, we tend to 
sit and then we, we're, we're always doing something like reading or eating or talking, thinking, walking, standing, uh, developing awareness. Now this awareness then is like learning to to really bring attention to to just the, the experience of of pressure, the body standing or walking or sitting on the mat or lying on the bed. Uh, aware of its pressure, of its heat or its coldness or its uh, its various sensations of pleasure and pain or neutral feelings. So they like this sweeping practice of bodily sensations, very good practice to develop to to so that your your attention, your paying attention to the way it is, rather than depending on some stimulating experience to feel uh, to pay attention to. Like if it's if it's very pleasurable, it's easy to pay attention to something very pleasurable, isn't it? It's exciting, interesting, beautiful, and so forth. To pay attention to that is 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 very absorbing. You know, or pain, even physical pain, is is quite obvious or or really extreme uh, negative things. But neutral is, is another one we don't notice. Who pays attention to neutrality? Neither pleasant nor painful sensations. So the sweeping practice, you're giving a lot of attention to neutral sensations, like just pressure or clothes touching the skin or one hand on the other, or tongue in the mouth or the upper lip touching the lower lip. This is the thing, most kind of ordinary uh, sensations that are present, but you, you never bother to pay attention to them unless they get painful or extreme in some way. So what you're doing, you're actually waking, you're looking, you're paying attention to something rather than having something uh, uh, make you pay attention, you're learning to pay attention. So that's coming from inside yourself, isn't it? Because neutral sensation is not interesting. It's not exciting. It doesn't tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, look at me, on I fascinating experience. Uh, it's, 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 it's pleasant, isn't it? Like you can feel your clothes touching your skin. So what? Not interesting. But to pay attention to it is you're developing an, an effort from within your mind, isn't it? You're learning to look at something that isn't interesting, but present the way it is. And learning to sustain that attention, noticing it like this. So in that way, your, your effort then is coming, you're developing effort from your mind rather than, than depending on uh, stimulation from outside. That applies to, to, uh, to, feel, to emotional experience. So we have emotions, uh, you know, we... we I'm aware of like uh, extreme emotions, like greed or lust, uh, or anger or fear, extreme emotions. But then, uh, and then they can be quite interesting. But what are boring are emotions like confusion, uh, uncertainty. Uh, not knowing. Uh, sloth torpor is boring, isn't it? Wanting to just, people ask me all the time, how do I get rid of sloth torpor? 
sleepiness because you know you don't like it. It's boring. So in changing the attitude from <clears throat> from just trying to get rid of what you don't like, you use what you don't like to and to pay attention, to accept what you don't like and don't want. It's a changing of your attitude towards it is important. Looking at it in terms of what it is, it's like this. If I'm sleepy right now, then sleepiness is, is if that's the, the dominant uh, conscious experience of this, of this moment, then that's that's what I advise you to pay attention to. With an attitude of accepting it, rather than thinking, if I pay attention to it, I'll get rid of it, because then you're fooling yourself again, isn't it? You're thinking, you know, Ajahn Sumedho said, accept your sleepiness and it'll go away. But you really, what you really want is to get rid of it. So, so even the desire to get rid of it, notice that. How much one want, doesn't want something. And as you, as you begin to, to trust in this, in this very, uh, natural ability, then, then, uh, these things will resolve themselves, not a matter of me getting rid of anything, but the things <clears throat> when they're no longer, when you're no longer feeding them within, with ignorance and indulgence and resistance, then, then they, they tend to resolve themselves, because you're not, you're not reinforcing them in, through, through uh, attachment to them. towards a physical uh, sensation, unpleasant physical sensation. So what you're doing then is you're, <coughs> you're kind of arousing. <coughs> it takes some kind of attention, isn't it, to, to pay attention to physical pain. Uh, if you're just caught in aversion to it, how can I get rid of it, then that's a reaction. I want to get rid of it. I can't stand it. Or I've got to, I've got to conquer it. There's another one. I think I've got to conquer pain by not getting into it. But that doesn't work either. So it's uh, changing the attitude of, of t- taking an interest in in the physical sensation of pain. Learning to relax into pain. Mother, because like resistance is always trying to, you know, creates more tension, always trying to get rid of it, creates the very conditions that increases pain. So learning to relax, to relax into it, to, to even befriend it, to, to welcome it, to embrace it, things like this. It's different, isn't it, than, than the usual uh, kind of ordinary reaction of how to, how to get rid of it. So this, these are, then, then developing this, cultivating this way, Till you're, you're, you really trust in, trust yourself in the state of attention, of awareness. There's not, not something that you, that you, you know, when you're really aware, when you're awake and aware, then you can actually 
You're not anybody. You're not a person. It's it's actually like a, a transcendence of the personality and of the body. And so from there, you, you've got perspective on, you can see how you create yourself, how you, you're innocently, uh, making problems and compounding situations endlessly in the present, uh, through, through just the momentum of your habits. And this, once you see the suffering that you create, then you, you, your insight is to let go of the causes, because it's uh, something to you don't you don't have to do it. You're beginning to recognize a a, 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 a wiser, more useful way of, of living within the limitations of the human condition than just trying to control it endlessly according to desires. Because it does take wisdom, because the mind's pretty tricky, so it'll, it'll, it'll offer all kinds of little tricks and things that uh, are quite uh, easily uh, delude us. But you keep learning from it. This is where I keep emphasizing this, this uh, sort of sadhau, the sense of resting or trusting in this faith, which is not in, uh, in, uh, in, in any concept of yourself or any theory or anything, anything, anything you can grasp. It's, a, it's a, just being able to, to just trust yourself enough in the state of attention. Get to know that state. To really, it's like wake up, pay attention. Those little statements like that. And that state of just attentiveness. To begin to trust it more. Because as you trust it, then it connects. It's not, it's not just a, another condition that you're that, that goes on to another condition. Now, it's like mindfulness is, is, is really just awake, awake up, and it's a, but we're not used to being awake like this. We're used to, to conceiving, creating a world, creating myself, creating all kinds of things. Uh, every, Every day and wake up. Oh, got another day. Got to get to do this, do that, and, and then uh, we we uh, we have you know we're so involved with ourselves as person personalities. Then and then that world is so real because the society we live in is is it reinforces that believes totally in the reality of a personality. In the, the the reality of our society, and it's all very convincing, and, and the mind is very much conditioned to to think and create in that way. So, in 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 this awakened state, you're, that's why it's transcending the, this momentum of habit, thinking, and emotion. Like the, the emotions, for example, we, we think we often people find Buddhism a bit threatening sometimes because they think that if you're enlightened, then you don't have any more emotions. You're kind of just a totally unfeeling person. That's what it sounds like, you know, to to someone if they if they just they don't understand the, the nature of their mind, then they think like, 
transcending your emotions, an emotionless world, you know, where you don't have any emotions anymore, is, uh, sounds pretty drab. Just, you know, indifferent. But then, when you really look at emotions, uh, I mean, they're so, they, they just go up and down like a yo-yo. You know, you can, you can just be absolutely over the moon one moment and then totally suicidal the next. By something, the way somebody, what somebody says. You can, you know, just praise and blame or success and failure. Good health and having good health. You feel really happy and then suddenly find out you've got cancer or something and you, you just feel totally upset, depressed by it, or the loss, isn't it? You feel happy when, when you're in love and everything's going well and having a really meaningful relationship and then it all falls apart and the emotions go the opposite. So the emotional world is conditioned and, and so it, it is, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, but but those, those conditions, they, be, they're, they're, they become habitual. As you get older, you're going to see just emoting the same things over and over. And you, you think, you know, even though you're, you're, you're old, you think that you're, you know, still can have emotions as, uh, that you had when you were five years old. And you see old people throwing tantrums and pouting, just like little children do, because it's because the emotional. It has not has not been resolved yet or developed. So. In uh, so, in terms of of being aware of emotions, is not 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 to get rid of them, but to no longer uh, be stuck with the, the the habits, the emotional habits. So then, the responses to life are are from the purity of the mind, rather than just repetitions of habit. Because the, this realm is a lot of joy and and uh, compassion and, and things like love is very much a part of our life. It's not, it's not getting rid of these. But these, these are, say, coming from the purity of the mind rather than just the emotional habits we've developed. So from this, this purity of the mind, this, this awareness, this stillness, then, then, uh, say the, uh, the, say the, the Brahma Viharas reach perfection, the Metta, Karuna, Mudita, Upeka. Because they come from, from that, rather, we call the divine abodes or the states of purity, because they're not conditioned through; they're not habits of the mind that, that you, you know, you're not stuck with them in terms of, of of being habitual. But they're spontaneous, and they arise when the conditions are there for that. This is uh, just to encourage this uh, amongst you all to, to keep going, <laughs> and uh, it does. does uh, you know, it goes through.
plateaus and uh, all kinds of things in, in the holy life. Uh, but even those are important to, to reflect on. On the, on the kind of what we might call plateaus, where you don't seem to be, nothing's happening. Just kind of getting getting by. But if you if you keep if you develop this trust in this very simple ability to pay attention, then I found that that very important realization because so in my early years, so much of it was was moving was trying to attain things. And, uh, and so it was, uh, you know, very much um, from my background. Uh, I'm very, brought up in a society that's very goal-oriented. Uh, that, that's how naturally I would, would approach Buddhist meditation as some kind of goal to attain. And, uh, and then it would be in this kind of, and sometimes I attained all kinds of things and then and whenever you think you've attained something, then you end up feeling you've lost it. So, gain and loss go together. <laughs> so this reflection then became more uh, a sense of of learning to to uh, to recognize, to 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 really appreciate, to value. To see the value and the gift that we all have in a very simple ability to be awake, pay attention to this present here and now, this as simple as that. So I offer this as a reflection for this evening. <coughs>